the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. to continue through Thessalonians and continue with the theme that Paul is teaching and reminding these Thessalonians as he writes to them, as he writes to them, he's reminding them of who they are. And in this section, literally reminding them of who he was among them. And he's calling their attention back to the truth of their remembrance He reminds them that they were not deceivers, that they were not charlatans, that they didn't come there to take advantage of them. They didn't come there. In fact, if you'll remember when we studied the beginning, in the beginning in Acts 16 where it talks about Paul's journey there, we discovered that Paul had no intention of going to Thessalonica. Paul didn't seek them out. God did. Paul wasn't even looking for them. And you remember how Paul discovered the will of God? Do you remember the method that he used to discover the will of God? He went this way and the Holy Spirit said no. Blocked him. He went this way and the Holy Spirit said no, not this way either. And he went this way and the Holy Spirit, no, you won't be going that way. Paul says, well, I guess I'm going this way. And then a man pleads with him and says, come this way. And that's the way he went. Wasn't it Paul's plan? It was in God's plan. God sought the Thessalonians out. And you know what? It's interesting to me that this deception that's taking place where they are literally having their memories messed with and Paul's character is being messed with, that it is so threatening that Paul feels like he has to address it and he has to provoke their memories and he has to tell them, remember remember when I came? Remember how the Spirit of God moved? Remember what happened? Well, listen, don't sound so shocked, Todd. I can get up here and I can proclaim truth and the Spirit of God can move and speak truth through my life and I can walk out the door and embrace a lie about myself or about someone else. I have a choice to make moment by moment, just as these people do. And Paul is reminding them of the truth In fact, when Paul was on his way back to Thessalonica, you remember that Paul had just gotten out of prison, that he'd been beaten really badly? He literally had to pray for courage to go there. He did. He had had to pray for courage to keep on speaking the good news. 
in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, But though we had already suffered and been outrageously treated in Philippi, as you know, yet in the strength of our God, we summoned courage to proclaim to you unfalteringly the good news, the gospel, with earnest contention and much conflict and great opposition. What you see in this is Paul's determination to follow the Spirit of God, to be yielded to the Spirit of God no matter where he leads. You see, it wasn't about, one thing we know about Paul, it wasn't about Paul's comfort. It wasn't about what suited Paul best. It was about being obedient to what God put in him. Today we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. And if you'll read along with me, I'll begin there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through verse 12. Verse 7 says, But we behaved gently when among you, like a devoted mother nursing and cherishing her own children. So, being thus tenderly and affectionately desirous of you, we continued to share with you not only God's good news, the gospel, but also our own lives as well. For you had become so very dear to us. For you recall our hard toil and struggles, brethren. We worked night and day and plied our trade in order not to be a burden to any of you for our support. We proclaim the glad tidings, the gospel of God to you. You are our witnesses, yes, and God also. How unworldly and upright and blameless was our behavior toward you believers who adhere to and trust in and rely on our Lord Jesus Christ. For you know how, as a father, dealing with his children, we used to exhort each of you personally, stimulating and encouraging and charging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and the glorious blessedness into which true believers will enter after Christ's return. In verse 7, Paul reminds them of how gentle he was how gentle he and his companions were with these new believers when he was to nurturing them. And you know, the interesting thing is that the enemy would have us to believe that God is a harsh God and that he, he trains us with fear and he pushes us along. But the reality is that God trains us in love, not in fear. That God trains us in acceptance and draws us by his love, not out of punishment and condemnation. Now, that's the truth of our God. And if the enemy wants us to see him differently, because if he, if he can discount the compassion of God, we'll stay far away from God, won't we? We'll confess and we'll talk to him as though we don't want to get too close. Remember this? Come close, but not too close. Because I don't want you to see me as I truly am. I don't want you to condemn me. Now, when a mother nurses the infant... She's doing more than handing the child food. She's holding the child close. And it's not just food, it's an expression of love and intimacy. It's a lot bigger than just getting the child fed. And it's not just a snack or, or a candy or something that's just thrown uh, at the child's feet. It is an essential nurture. It is literally what the child needs for health and for growth. It is what the child's body demands. It is the nurture that is necessary for the child to be healthy. 
And look at how the mother gives it. She gives it, the nursing mother gives it with love and with tenderness and with affection. And she gives exactly what the baby needs. And Paul is saying, when we brought nurture to you... Now, he's not talking about their salvation. They were saved, okay? This goes beyond their salvation. After they were saved, Paul is saying, we lovingly nurtured you in truth. But I don't want you to get distracted with Paul. This is not Paul's nurture. This is God's nurture. This is God the Father literally scooping up His new creations, His new children, and nurturing them with exactly what they needed to grow and to be healthy. Do you know that doesn't change for any of us? Do you know that your nurture may not look like the most loving and tender nurture? But the reality is that God has put nurture in your life that you, that you most need. In the people who surround you, in your circumstances, in this fellowship, in your very body, He is nurturing you. He is growing you in truth. And Paul says, we did it as a mother, gently, with love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 says, So being thus tenderly and affectionately desirous of you, we continue to share with you not only God's good news, the gospel, but also our own lives as well, as you had become so very dear to us. Okay. Now, Paul has yielded himself to the affections of Christ. This is not, Paul didn't walk into a situation, a church, or gather a group of believers that were so compatible to his personality and so accept and received and loved him with such great affection that Paul was just overwhelmed with his own love and desire to, to put affection or give affection to them. That, that wasn't the situation at all. We're not talking about Paul's personal affection for these people. Here's the reality. God sent this man into their midst with his message. God brought the message. It says very clearly that the message came with power. He prepared the hearts of the Thessalonians. It says very clearly that they received the message eagerly. And then once they received that message, they embraced Paul's teaching and the nurture. God brought the nurture to bring them along, to mature them, and he brought them exactly what they needed to know him. This is God from beginning to end. Now, why am I pointing that out? Because I know that as you sit there, you have in your mind times that you would highlight and say, this is where I was most loved by God. This is where I was most effectively nurtured by Him. This is where God did His best to get my attention. I want you to know that the love, the passion, the the very desire of the heart of God to embrace you affectionately, to nurture you with love, to bring you along, to teach you, does not waver one instant. It is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, every moment. People say, I have such difficulty knowing God. No, you're having difficulty squeezing God into your box. That's what you're having difficulty about. Just yield yourself to the truth of His love. 
If you're a Christian, you know him. If you're a Christian, you do hear his voice, or you wouldn't be a Christian. The reality is that there is not anybody in here that is hampered in their spiritual growth or in their relationship with the Lord. And his desire for you is a desire that's based in his affection for you, his love for you. Let me ask you a question, mothers. Do you discipline your child so that you'll have an obedient child that will do exactly what you tell him to do and never cause you a moment's trouble? No. You discipline your child in order that your child's life will be easier, that they'll grow in truth, in order that they will know the way to behave, in order to get along in this world, to protect them, to nurture them in love. Discipline is love. He says that we were so tenderly and affectionately desirous of you. We continue to share with you not only God's good news, but also our lives as well. And you see right here that Paul has yielded himself to the Father's heart. He's not operating in a man-centered paradigm, but he sees these new Christians with the heart of the Father. And in line with the gentleness of a mother with a newborn child, Paul expresses a deep affection for them, a selfless concern for their well-being. So Paul was not just teaching for Paul when he shared the truth. He was not just teaching what he thought. Listen, that word there, we shared our lives. In the Greek, the word is suke. And it literally means their internal being. It, it's literally describing the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. So what he is saying is that we allowed the Father to pour out through our very souls everything that he had for you. We yielded our lives Not Paul's life, but Christ's life through Paul to these people. You see, you can't separate, and this is the thing about Paul, you can't separate Paul's life from Paul's message. His message was his life. And as we will talk about here a little later on, his life demonstrated his message. And it wasn't about his Christian discipline. It was about him being totally yielded to the will of the Father in his life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For you recall our hard toil and struggles, brethren. We worked night and day and plied our trade in order that we would not be a burden to any of you for our support while we proclaimed the glad tidings, the gospel of God to you. Now, Paul's asking them to remember again, to put the truth before their minds. If we desire to know the will of God, if our heart is for Him, then we're easily led in truth. If our heart is for our own selfish concern, then we're not easily led in truth. And Paul says, listen, I want you to remember the truth. I want you to pull your heart into the truth. The enemy wants to distort our vision of the truth. And Paul says, remember, put the truth in your mind's eye. If we desire to know the truth, the Spirit will guide us to it. In the enemy saying to us that this is not the truth, he's trying to revise it. He's trying to distort it. We know that about how that works in the media, don't we? The reality is that if you hear a lie long enough, it becomes your truth, doesn't it? You eventually embrace it as truth. Well, you know what? Here is the truth. The truth is in you. The truth 
is in the Word of God, being revealed in the Word of God. And when you neglect the truth, that is, Jesus, the life of Christ in you, then you will be deceived. You will have distortion in your soul, and the truth that the world is trying to give you will become more and more believable. We have to continually allow the Spirit of God to bring balance to our understanding. We have to continually weigh everything that we are told before Him. Or we enter into deception. Paul is saying, recall the truth of how God sustained us and how we ask for nothing for ourselves. Recall our selflessness. You see, if the enemy could discredit the work of God in their lives, then they would begin to focus on how their lives were being affected rather than what God was doing in their lives. Can you see that happening? Happens all the time. How does the enemy take you out of the work of God? Well, there are only two ways to do that. He's got to take your focus off the truth. He's got to take your mind's eye off of God's work. And the way he does that is he distracts you, either through the life of somebody else or through your own life. And pretty soon, it's about how it's affecting you. Either how this person is affecting you, or how this ministry is affecting you. And look at all the hardship and the trouble it's caused. And look at the difficulty. I see that all the time in church. I've I've seen it happen where people literally have have come up to support a ministry and been a part of a ministry and it's been it's been given to them that that they could they could go forward in it and they go forward in it and then it's not too long down the road before you hear well I guess I'm the only one that has a heart for this ministry. You see it happening. Well, you know what that's about. That is the enemy taking God's blessing and turning it into cursing by taking your focus off the truth and putting it on yourself. We don't need that. We don't have to live in that. We don't have to accept the curses of the enemy. We need to see the blessings of God and know this, that what God gives us, He gives us for our good. And you know what? If we're the only one in the world holding it up besides Christ... If you're the only one holding it up and God is not in it, let it fall. Let it fall. You don't need to keep it in place. If God doesn't keep it in place, it doesn't need to be in place to begin with. Paul says, take your eyes off the lie and put it upon the truth. These people were being persecuted for their faith. And the enemy was trying to distract them and discredit Paul's ministry. In Philippians 4.8, we've read this many times, he says, For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence, and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on, weigh, and take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Oh, yes, we do that. I'm going to do that. Let your wife say something that's cutting to you. Where's your mind? I'll tell her a thing or two. I'll put her in her place. She's not going to talk that way to me. Whatever's true, whatever's lovely. Who's that describing? We've said this before. Jesus, put your mind on the truth and quit trying to take up your own defense. God put you where you are and it'll be up to Him to keep you there. Fix your mind on Him. We are to fix our minds on the truth. We need to recall the salvation of the Lord. 
how the Lord has worked both in our lives and also the testimony of others who have determined to live in this life. They needed to remember how Paul was secured, how Paul was supported. They needed to remember that they weren't the ones that held Paul up while he was there. The whole time Paul was there, the Spirit of God allowed him to be supported by his own hands. It wasn't them that did it. Do you ever feel like that this world, or that man, or that the things of this world are what are holding you in place? That they're your security? Do you ever feel that way? Then you're deceived. You're deceived. God is holding you in place. And if you want to be affirmed in truth, then take your eyes off the world. Take your eyes... You know what you're doing. You're watching the spoon rather than watching the one who's feeding you. That's what you're doing. Keep your eye on the one who's feeding you. Because you need to see more than the food. You need to see the love in which it's given. The affection in which it is given to you. And quit trusting in the world because that's where all the insecurity and the fear come from. Now, Paul didn't want to burden these young believers with his support. So he worked day and night in order to nurture them in truth and keep him and his companions in food and shelter. Now, that wasn't an easy labor. That wasn't an easy time for Paul. But then, you know, he's just got out of prison and that was no vacation getaway either. Paul was obviously not about comfort or sacrifice, but he was just about Jesus. So why, I ask myself, why did Paul decide to work here, yet in other places he was in, he didn't work? Do you ever wonder that one? Why did Paul decide to work here and he didn't work in the other places? Well, I can tell you, Jesus. That clear it up for you? Now, the bottom line is this. We would think, well, I think the reason may be that this young fellowship might not have been able to support him, and that's why. Well, go back to Acts chapter 16, and you'll find out that when Paul preached, a multitude followed him, and not a few of the leading women. So I don't think that finances were the issue. So Paul decides that he is not going to take support from these believers. Do you think Paul knew that he was going to be accused in the manner in which he was accused? No. See, you can tell by the accusation that what they're telling Paul and why Paul is reminding them that he worked with his own hands. What these people are accusing Paul of is being in it for the money. And Paul says, no, I didn't take any of your money. We didn't ask you for anything. We didn't ask you for anything. Was Paul aware that this accusation was going to come up? No. The Spirit of God was. You may not understand exactly why God has put you where he has. You may not understand why he has put you in a place where you're literally taking the hard road rather than the easy one. You may be questioning God in his direction for you. But let me tell you something. I've said this many times. I have recognized that I don't have the IQ to direct God. And that he does know better than I do. So I can rest in the fact that even though it may not make sense to me in the moment, the reality is that he has a plan. And that it is working together for my good. And that I am walking in the path that he has chosen for me. And I am going to participate in the works that he has set forward for me to do. 
probably Paul had no idea. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 says, You are our witnesses. Yes, and God also, how unworldly and upright and blameless was our behavior toward you believers, who adhered to and trusted in and relied on our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, theologians estimate that Paul's stay there was about three, well, three weeks or over three weeks, a little over three weeks. He wasn't there very long. And what I want you to see in what Paul is saying over and over again, he says, you recall, I want you to see the teaching and the discipling that he most wants them to recall. You look at that. He says, you recall, you remember. But what is he pointing to when he says that? Is he pointing to, you remember that three-point sermon I gave you on the evils of getting drunk and and, uh, worshiping idols? Do you remember that? Do you recall that? Do you recall the stuff that I wrote down for you about how you should live and what you should do? Do you recall that? What's he telling them to recall? What's he pointing to when he says, look, remember? Well, Paul's emphasis is on truth demonstrated. He says, you are our witnesses. You witnessed the truth with your own eyes. You saw the character of Christ living out. He's pointing to his own behavior among them. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to his life in every situation. Rest in his life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you'd like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.